1: LinkedIn, the place to be, to be.
2: You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You're listening to Studio 22. Welcome to Studio 22. I'm Brock O'Hearn. I'm looking at all these cameras, and I'm here with my co-host, the one and only legend, Will Meldman. Thanks for joining me, Will.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for coming.
2: Yeah, thanks for coming, (laughs) as we always do. That's hilarious. How's it going?
0: Oh, good, man. Um, Excited to do another, another episode, us two. Go over some current events, some big news,
2: Uh, some
0: television shows, and some films.
2: Heck yeah. I always like when it's just us because it's like, it's just good, dude. We're just the homies. The homies getting after it. All right, what do you got for me? Fill me in.
0: Well, I think um, almost everybody on the planet heard about this news yesterday. Elon Musk has now bought Twitter for a whopping 44 billion dollars oh my god
2: 44 billion what would you do with 44 billion (laughs) buy twitter (laughs) that's amazing you know it's funny
0: smart ass answer but
2: you know how he bought that small part of it the nine percent like nine and a half percent something like that um and it immediately shot up do you think that Twitter's valuation, even though he bought it for forty-four billion, is going to shoot up? It's it's gotta the way he's going to do it, it's going to shoot up even more. So he's going gonna...
0: to. I think you're right. I, I think it did a, like a little bit, kind of like it did on on the first part. And but that now that it's like permanent, yeah, people are yeah, crazy. I mean, it's shaking the world.
2: I never used Twitter, not because of any other reason than I just didn't like writing my thoughts and stuff. I that was more, I'm always been more visual, but now that Elon bought it. I'm I'm on Twitter, man. I'm doing it.
0: Yeah, I mean, his post today about free speech—that's the cause that he is basically rooting as like the reason he did it. He feels that the censorship of Twitter has been in violation of free speech, and he thinks it leans a certain direction. And he thinks it needs to be more of an open platform. Probably mm. get. A U.S. president back on there—that
2: um, <laughs> would be insane.
0: I I tend not to take sides in stuff like this. I'm I'm very much like, just kind of I like to look in from the outside and watch people overreact to things that <laughs> like whatever. But um, you know, if you look at it rationally, he does have a lot of good points. That I'm excited to see what he does with it.
2: Yeah, it's the foundation of what this country is built on, you know, the reason we have free speech in the first place. So the fact that that's what's about, I mean, I have no idea what it's going to turn into or what it's going to be. Um, but I do think Elon Musk is a massive mover and he's doing some really cool stuff. And if he's doing it, there's a reason. Uh, and it seems like it's good for good. You know, you hear sometimes people are saying, uh, which which host was that that said, are you a supervillain? You know, like, I think there's that common ground of people don't know when somebody has that much power and money, which way they're going to go. But it seems like everything that Elon Musk does from my perspective, at least my opinion is for the good of humanity, you know, trying to create life on another planet or, you know, livable, sustainable life on another planet to further our species, um, uh, electric our, cars, electric cars, better for the environment. Right. Uh, and I mean, he's doing. It. He's, he's doing it. whatever he's doing. He's doing it. Uh, so it's pretty damn cool to see, and I'm excited to see what happens with Twitter. I mean, I've never really been into Twitter, honestly. Like like I was saying, but I'm
0: not, I haven't really either. I'm not really. Into yeah,
2: I don't know how it works, you know. And I understand people saying you know, that you post, but it seems like things get real heated, real crazy. A lot of people got canceled over the years because of stuff they wrote on Twitter. But yeah, free speech. I'm all for it.
0: It came out when I was in college, and you know, let's just say. There was some stuff written by a lot of people when you're in college on a brand new platform that you have no idea is going to be like the next, you know, quoted by news. That's the thing I don't understand is like I saw in the last five, 10 years, whatever it was. People, legitimate news television shows would quote tweets as news. It's like, dude, it's supposed to be a social media platform like you're the news.
2: Well, that was a majority of Trump's time in office. Was they were using everything that he was saying on Twitter, and he used that thing like nobody's business, right? So, yeah, it's kind of crazy to see. I mean, I guess it's it's what Elon Musk was saying. I don't have the quote, you know, memorized off off offhand, but uh, he was saying it's you know it's like the public Times Square for everybody to come and talk, you know, and, and it's become that. So, respecting it to the point of letting it be that let everyone communicate and even he was saying uh whether you agree with him or not he hopes you stay on there and use the platform for what it's intended you know it's basically making it fair uh because it kind of seemed like it was skewing one way more than the other and and kind of changes the narrative of conversation and what's allowed you know um we should be able to allow we should be allowed to say whatever we want now there's lines you know that you shouldn't do certain things and there's uh obviously like just common sense in general that should be applied, but um, the ability to not speak your opinion, it's kind of, you know, kind of (laughs) sucks.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I think two things to what you're saying. I I agree with all of it. I mean, one, I'm a visual person too. I think that's why we're both so into film, but I like, you know, Facebook, Instagram, because I'd rather look at photos than text. However, I also think that's one of the big factors in why people feel so free to say the most fucked up shit on Twitter because it's just typing a couple fucking words. Yeah. Like there's, you can say whatever you want because there's no human interaction. It's yeah. if I say, fuck you, Brock, like that, th- I felt that <laughs> you felt that, right? Like I feel that because we're right fucking here. Yeah. If I text you, fuck you, Brock, from, like, the other room or another country, it's kind of got a different effect, yeah. right? There's there's no human part of it.
2: You know who has a great sketch on that? Kim Kim, Peel. Have, no, you, have really. you seen their sketch on that? No, I haven't. It's phenomenal because it's literally, like, one of them's at out at the bar or he, he's out somewhere else, and then the other one's sitting at home, like, smoking a bong,
0: yeah.
2: uh, and their whole thing is a text conversation of, like, hey, we still meeting up later. And he, and one saying like gets pissed off and he's like, fuck you. He's getting heated. Like you fuck you. He's like, yeah. he's like, Oh, fuck you too, man. I love you. You know, like whatever he's going on. You and think so that's a joke? yeah, one of them thinks it's a joke yeah. and he's like super chill. Mellow. His interpretation of the text chain is totally different than the, <laughs> than the others. And the other guy's pissed off. So he shows up ready to like beat his ass and he's super angry. And then he's like, Oh bro, thanks for coming. Yeah. like. So that's exactly it, though. It's and communication is it's a great show. Eighty percent, right? That's what they say. It's uh, who knows what the exact st- st- statistic. The exact who knows what the exact statistic. I said it wrong. Like I hope we keep that. <laughs> said it wrong quite a few times. Uh, um, is eighty percent, you know, body language and its movement and its its inflection. It's and that takes away from it. And that's why we have you know keyboard warriors, people who can sit behind their computer and they can get angry and and interpret, you know, these words that aren't. Coming out of the mouth of somebody, they're coming out of the fingers, and you can read things, and and you could read one thing. It's it's like like the f bomb, right? You can use that word so many different ways that it, it, it's mind blowing. You know what I mean? So if you can break down all the different ways, and and somebody can interpret every single different way, it could be uh, endearing, it can be angry, it can be you know whatever that is there's going to be a lot of miscommunication out there. And if it's all through verbal, or I mean, through written, yeah, of course there's going to be, you know, different crazy reactions and, and good and bad. So that's why I think Twitter is so interesting. It's like you have to be so meticulous in what you're saying and writing, punctuation, everything.
0: It's also why it's so toxic because people go on there say whatever the hell they want. And it's not like someone's showing up at their door like you looking like you about <laughs> to thump him with a farmer's tan, but yeah, <laughs> but um, yeah, man. I mean, I don't know what's the point of it. I I've, I haven't been on it, and I don't worry about it. I don't stress about it. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook. I'm on YouTube. I'm on all the other platforms. But and I just literally put out photos and positivity and good vibes. And I just stay off Twitter. I've never had an interest in being on it. And I feel like my life is so much better for not being on that platform. So, like, we really got to look at, is Twitter providing a good service, a positive service to humanity? I don't think so. Convince mm. me otherwise. <laughs> like, I really don't fucking think so. So, like, you know, if Elon comes back, implements a little bit more free free speech, and maybe get some people back on there, what's it going to accomplish? I don't know. Nothing. But you're still going to have people on there bickering and yelling all day. And like you've said, uh, keyboard warriors or whatever it is, Like, it's still going to be a toxic fucking place. So I don't know. What does it bring?
2: I mean, but that, that's also life in general too. So I think that there's good and bad in that. And the reason it's, if, if it was all evil, all angry, all you know, that all the time, then I don't think it would really exist at all. So the ability, because I mean, there's platforms like Twitter, like Instagram, changed my life, you know. Uh, Hell yeah, and Facebook as well, and and opened up so many doors for me. And I feel like Twitter's done that for people as well. It's it's opened up conversations that maybe necessarily you couldn't have before. Like one of my friends, she uh, wanted to get into acting, and she's beautiful model, and, and she's an awesome awesome human being. And she literally tweeted the Rock. The Rock responded, and the next thing you knew, she was in his next film.
0: Well, that might be the only example and the craziest awesome example I've ever heard. But, like.
2: But no, I mean, it's like if you're a fan of an author, it gives you an ability to have conversations with people, you know, and, and it's one other platform, a uh, social media platform, I think, that you can connect with people that maybe you couldn't have connected with before or you didn't know how to reach. So,
0: couldn't you argue that for all social media platforms? And then you have traditional methods like reaching out to their agent and publicists as well. So, like, yeah, there but that, are.
2: Yes, there's there are ways, but maybe that's the way that worked, you know. Um, So, but but who knows? I don't know how to reach, you know, like let's say there's an author that I love. I don't know how to reach their publicist or who they're signed with or if that's an old one or if they're even going to take my call or anything. So, if you know it's the person that's constantly communicating with their fan base, it it, it opens up some doors, you know. Uh, It's like the super chats on YouTube, you know. You you get an opportunity to really communicate with people that you're engaged with uh, that maybe you otherwise wouldn't have access to. So I think there's pros and cons. I don't, I can't, I don't have skin in the game necessarily on Twitter. So it's hard for me to communicate, but I'm trying to maybe see the positive uh, perspective as well. But I totally get where you're coming from because from, from the mo- majority of things I've heard about Twitter, uh, it's been a lot of negative and, and kind of like using people's words against them in news in diff- on different platforms and stuff. So it's kind of difficult to like, make that sound like a fun thing to jump in on board with
0: I'm with you hundred percent I like I always look on the positive and I'm sure pr- maybe even 80 to 90 percent of it is positive I don't know mm. but the only thing you ever see in the news are like celebrities getting cancelled and film directors attacking their fans like it literally like that's the only thing you ever see in the news is the negative stuff so
2: but I feel like that's news in general right? I feel like they use majority of the time s- crazy stories or you know misleading stories or
0: it is news in general. Yes, but like I don't know, dude. I the story you just told me is the only positive Twitter story I think I've ever heard in a decade of it being out whatever it's been. They're out there. But I yeah, yeah, I guess.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I don't use Twitter so that's that's all I know. Changed somebody's life has been so Good for her.
0: It, very good.
2: <laughs> I'm going to start tweeting the rock.
0: By the way. What's up, bro? <laughs> I, I'm sorry for yelling, fuck you, bro. I was just like, I example. was trying to make a point. I was trying to make a point. I don't want to do this right but now. But like, I, felt, I felt I felt, sadness when I said it, like, so that was the whole point. I need a break. No.
2: <laughs> I'm like actually kind of tearing up, just joking about it.
0: Dude, making me sad. <laughs>
2: It's, it's an acting technique, don't worry.
0: Okay, Taylor Loren of the Washington Post recently doxed the libs of TikTok account on social media by revealing sensitive, private information about the account holder's home address. I think it might have been her family member's home address, but still Whoa. very, very ugly situation especially from a corporation owned by Jeff Bezos, one of the richest men in the world, attacking an individual and essentially completely uprooting their life for God knows how long. How do you feel about the term doxing and the act of doxing revealing personal information in such a public space?
2: From the sounds of that, not a fan. Not a fan. I've never heard of the libs of TikTok before, uh, but doesn't, I think no matter what, releasing someone's personal information on a public platform uh, is an absolute violation of their privacy, regardless of what's going on, because there are people out there on social media. I've been on social media for a while now. Yep. That'll say and do things that are absolutely not okay. Uh, um, it's insane what is out there. I, I get, You don't know what somebody's going to do. So to have a public platform, you have a certain amount of responsibility. That there's you shouldn't cross a line. Giving away someone's home address, you know, uh, or putting their family in jeopardy. Knowing what people have done in the past and shown up, like you have no idea if there's that one person that's going to go too far out there and you're literally putting other people's lives in jeopardy for what? I don't I mean what would be their reason for canceling the libs of TikTok?
0: Well, because it doesn't fit the narrative of their political aisle. You know, the the account they claimed essentially attacks you know, liberals, right? libs. Although the account yeah. all all the account does is repost videos real videos posted by other people it does not so
2: these people this this account it's defending or it's just reposting it, it, content but what is what is the content about that they're posting because I've never heard I never heard of them
0: so it takes videos from people and accounts that are clearly liberal and just repost them and the Washington Post was claiming that it was hateful and it was inviting hate onto the accounts that it posted when I believe, in in reality, it was just reposting. So the Washington Post, being a liberal institution, a liberal corporation, did not like the fact that they were doing that. So what do they do? They reveal the personal information of the account, even though that account had been anonymous for its entire tenure on wow social media
2: dang that's rough regardless of who you are what your opinion is uh what your political opinion is like i'm not very into politics to be honest uh but obviously we are all affected by it anytime that you're giving someone's personal information up or something that could potentially bring harm to another um i'm not a fan of so no matter what, I don't think that's cool if it affected their personal life, especially because they were private, they're anonymous. So now a major corporation just outed some personal person's information. That's, that's not cool.
0: So let me ask you, what is the worst, scariest thing that has happened to you as a result of social media and like a social media fan or something in real life?
2: I mean, there's been people, people have walked in my home. They found out where I live, which I don't know how. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've walked in my home uh, uninvited, of course. There's been, it's, it's weird because social media gives people the ability to see a part of your life. You know, you feel more engaged with somebody's life. or And, and I know people that it's changed their life. Like they've made their their best friends, you know. On social media that they've never met in person before, and then it can, it's everything that can happen does happen, right? Uh, Murphy's law.
0: You've had people come to your home.
2: I've had people come to my home. I've had people follow me. Um, I've gotten threats, uh, family threats. Uh, I've I've gotten threats from people that <laughs> like death threats because a girl that they like, who was I guess famous or something, followed me, and I didn't even know of them or anything of them. But it's like, oh my god! So it's again, it's like a there's all kinds of things that happen out there. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I mean, I'm still standing, right? Life life is good. I'm super grateful for the life I have and I'm grateful for the fans I do have out there. Uh, and there are so many people that I have connected with who are just genuinely good, incredible people that are fans of me or my work or things I'm doing. Uh, and then we become friends, you know, so we're all human, you know, and we all have, different, you know, opinions and views and, and interests. And, you know, sometimes we connect with people or resonate with someone. Sometimes we don't. Uh, And that's, what's cool about social media. You kind of craft your own little world in there and who you surround yourself with. But um, I would say if someone outed me knowing that there's a big audience, right? Okay. So let's say the Washington post, right? They have a huge audience for, and, and a very specific audience, right? For their kind of Uh, Content they put out. If you're going to purposefully out somebody or their personal information or where they live or whatever, you have to do it knowing what the potential outcome could be. And if in any way that could bring harm or hurt somebody, there's nothing that's okay with that whatsoever Uh, because you're literally changing the trajectory of someone's life in a negative way. I just I, I don't under I can't comprehend somebody doing that. Because if someone did that to me or to you or anyone of my family or friends or whatever, it's like not cool. That's not okay.
0: And it's interesting hearing that from you because you do have such an incredible relationship with your fans. And I know you would never let one, two, three, four bad experiences like that ruin the relationship you have with your fans. So it is interesting to hear your take on this because I know how often you communicate with your fans and it's very, very meaningful to you and important to you. And, it, you know, it's interesting hearing that because I, don't, I couldn't really imagine it. I couldn't imagine having that happen. It's a really intense situation.
2: I think anybody that's on any public platform or in the public eye in any way whether it's social media whether it's a you know a movie star whether it's a news anchor whatever it is you have your life in front of the camera and then you also have your private life and I a lot of times I I personally think that they shouldn't I don't think that people should have access to everything you know if there's Stuff I'm doing, I want to keep it private. You know, I, no one needs to know how I brush my teeth in the morning or, you know, my morning routine unless I want to share it. Unless or, it's a
0: Colgate commercial.
2: <laughs> there you go. Or Crest or, you know, Tom's or whatever. <laughs> um, I want to keep my options open.
0: Yeah, uh, I just said Colgate.
2: I know, I know, I know. I'm just kidding. Um, it's not fair to the individual for a corporation to attack an individual. For what reason? You know, or to out—I'm not going to say attack—but to out somebody's personal information in that way. It's just because what they—it's affecting their business. Maybe like what? What? What's the purpose you think behind doing something like that?
0: There, there is no purpose, right? It's a hidden, deceitful, manipulative move that I completely agree should never happen, and is very, very dangerous, especially with accounts like this that are political. And I agree with you. And neither of us are political. We don't sit and argue about politics. It's it's just we're not into that, and that's not our lives. And you know we we understand it. We read up on it. We pay attention. We vote. We we do everything we need to do to be a functioning member of society. But we don't sit here and argue politics. This would be a this would be a political show if we did, but we don't. It's an entertainment show, and a sports show, and a business show, and that's what we're passionate about, and that's what we like to talk about. But, you know, this, this current event, very, you know, strikes home to you. So I appreciate you talking about that because it was interesting to get your opinion on it.
2: Yeah, I had a friend say one time that you should never argue about politics or religion with somebody um, because you'll never win like anybody can spin that conversation i guess in their favor any other way uh i just believe in respecting people's opinions their views why they understand and i would love to understand more why somebody thinks the way they do about a certain subject you know and and what's making them pull in that direction so i'm just a fan of listening really and 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 if there's something that i can learn that's i mean that's how we move forward as a society as a as a people it's Communicating—it's having conversations. It's about having the conversations that need to be had, uh, and sometimes these are it. But I think there's also uh, having a respect for each other and lines that we shouldn't cross. And I think doxing someone, especially that was attempting apparently to remain anom- anonymous, is not okay. It's just not cool, man. Like it's not—that's somebody's safety. That's their livelihood, and it's not. You don't know their fam. Like, I I just, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm not okay. I'm not okay with it. It's not
0: okay. Absolutely. Have you been following the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial at all? Uh,
2: (laughs) I feel like I've inadvertently been following it because of how much is going viral on social media. Um, I haven't been watching the trial by any means, but uh, seeing a lot of the conversations and stuff that's going viral on there is pretty... Pretty
0: wild. So this is actually a good use for social media. A makeup company called out Amber Heard for saying that she used a certain makeup to cover up bruises, alleged bruises, that no one, I don't think, could confirm existed. But she used a makeup, a specific makeup product. And she claimed in 2014 to 2016, the makeup company comes out says this product wasn't released until 2017. So it couldn't have been that. Think about that. You have social media coming in, being involved in a defamation lawsuit from one of Hollywood's biggest stars against his ex-wife, or I guess they're divorced. But um, how crazy is that? Like people chiming in, companies chiming in, with new discoveries for a trial, that blows my mind.
2: Yeah, did that? Did that uh, show up in court? Like, they were they able to, you know, basically?
0: Yeah. How did that translate? Like, did it into tra- the actual? Do you know? Yeah. So I think they're basically going to have to like go through the process of like submitting that as evidence now. Mm. But I'm sure they'll figure out a way to incorporate it into the lawsuit because it is such a big discovery. Yeah, um, but yeah I think it'll just take time for them to figure out how to yeah. get that in there but
2: I'm curious to see where it goes you know Johnny Depp is definitely one of the most talented actors of our time um, and obviously anytime anyone's interpersonal relationship I mean it's it's so cr- I can't imagine how wild it is to have that case broadcasted to the world you know and it's so much of your private personal life that's just being shared constantly and it's things like all of it all of it like that's like I can't can you imagine I can't even fathom what that would be like like that would be it, I would I would feel extremely violent
0: so to say the least 100% and like look For her claims, her allegations of domestic abuse, right? It should be taken seriously 100% of the time. Not 90%, 100% of the time. That should be looked into and taken seriously. However, one could argue Johnny Depp was guilty until proven innocent. And instead of innocent, until proven guilty on this. Because, I mean, he lost his entire career. He, He lost everything. And before anything even came to light and they were actually able to look at the evidence. So, you know, unfortunately, yeah, ah, we've, we've seen a wave of horrible men in this in in Hollywood and LA. And unfortunately has been a horrible stain on the industry. And, you know, we'll see what comes out to be true. in in this case, it, it looks like Johnny Depp, you know, is, telling more truth than Amber at this point. Um, but yeah, I mean, the whole world is is watching and it'll be interesting to see how it plays out. But, you know, domestic abuse, never okay. Should be looked into 100% of the time, but we'll, we'll see.
2: Yeah, it's not always so black and white either. You know, who knows what happened between the two of them, right? But at the end of the day, like you said, the whole idea of guilty until proven innocent is it literally flips people's lives upside down instantaneously. And and it's becoming or has become almost okay. It's been, you know, within society and it's like, well, what if you just flip this guy's whole life upside down or, or woman's life or whoever only for it to be wrong and who cares? And it's the today's day and age. It's almost like getting that instant gratification thinking that you're right. And so you, chastise this person and it's like well we're all human everyone makes mistakes no one's perfect but if you're going to go out like as as, if the public's going to come involved and ruin someone's life don't you think we should have like the actual truth you know yeah i mean there's definitely there's been a lot of bad people and a lot of good but that's the thing it's that Nobody's perfect. We're all human. We all make mistakes. There's different degrees of mistakes obviously and things that are absolutely uh not okay, but I mean, I just at the end of the day, whatever happens in their case, uh I'm wishing them both the best and all I all I care about for me personally is that the truth comes out. Whatever the truth is, let the truth speak, you know, and and then let that be it what it is.
0: So, you know, We'll see. Couldn't have said it better. Let the truth speak. You ready for
2: the big topic? What's the big topic? Those all felt big. They're making me nervous as fuck talking about this shit. Why? I don't know. It's like giving me anxiety.
0: Sorry. I'm like, what if I
2: say the wrong thing and I'm well, chastised? We're, from...
0: we're over the <laughs> shitty stuff. That's all the drama. Okay. Moment of truth. Oh, God. What was it like being naked on Euphoria?
2: oh man I'm sorry mom (laughs) Uh, just straight up honest honest answer it was equally honest answer it was like equally terrifying as it was exciting you know I don't think I would have said yes Never in my life, okay, first off, never in my life did I ever think I would do anything nude on TV, ever, ever, okay? Fair. I get the call. I've been out of shape, injured, uh, torn meniscus, fractured patella, three herniations in my neck. I've got all these tears and strains. I am all jacked up, and then I'm coming out of depression on top of that, out of covid Everything that's going could go against me is right, and in my opinion, <laughs> um, I get the call that I booked Righteous Gemstones. It's so I'm like, ah, well, now I got to start working out. I'm in the worst shape of my life, my entire life. I start working out. I get a call from Euphoria. You got three days. Do you want to do this shoot? Um, it's going to be nude. <laughs> I'm sitting here like. You got to be kidding me. (laughs) Uh, Only for the fact that there's, I mean, there's two reasons, obviously. One, I wasn't expecting to be naked. Two, (laughs) I'm in the worst shape of my life. And I'm sitting here like, what am I doing? Euphoria is one of the most cinematically beautiful shows I've ever seen in my entire life. The cast is incredible. They just won an Emmy, Zendaya. Zendaya is truly a product uh, in and of herself she's incredible the whole cast is incredible um sam is you know sam levinson is a creative genius like this guy is next level and just being around him the first time seeing how they shoot everything how they work it was such an incredible experience like most people don't even know that i was in the first season as the same character just for this small little blip um
0: i did Okay. Well, yeah. Thank you. Thank you.
2: (laughs) I knew too. I was there. Um, yeah, but, but for me to come back as that character again, but this time nude was what it rocked my world, man.
0: Was there a little bit of comfort knowing that you would come back as something you played before?
2: Not necessarily, uh, because I was speaking Dothraki and Dothraki is a real language, but it's a fake made up language at the same time. Uh, From
0: Game of Thrones.
2: From Game of Thrones. And so there's this extra pressure of like, I'm not just acting now. I'm like, it's like learning French. You know, I would say it's even harder, honestly, (laughs) Um, because there's so many inflections and words. I don't have anything to like back the word up, right? I can say something in English that's one sentence long, but in Dothraki, it can be three sentences. And I'm sitting here like trying to figure out the flow of it, right? There's a lot of like, you know, there's a lot of like different inflections and different ways to breathe. And it's, it's so it's a lot. But then that was great. Well, well thank you. <laughs> um, I, pra- I practiced for a while.
0: I'm sure you had to. Uh,
2: but doing it and then also, you know, being fully exposed and vulnerable was just insane. I don't think I would have done it for any other show but Euphoria at this time because of how much I enjoy the show how much i respect the show respect sam levinson you know the cast and crew and what they they've been able to do is phenomenal um but yeah i mean i'm well now that i've done it i'll do it again <laughs> yeah. but it definitely lit a fire under me that i've never had before of like okay if this situation ever comes again i'm going to be ready for it you know and and it was the real reason i did it was because of the art you know when are you ever going to have a platform that's going to have that level of art and storytelling, it, it doesn't come around all the time, you know, and it's so unique and so special when it is there. So I was like, I'm totally happy to uh, do it. And the funny thing is, like, so we're supposed to, we have um, intimacy coordinators now. It's a, it's, I think they, in the last couple of years, they made it a thing on set. So you have an intimacy coordinator that comes on and make sure you're okay. you you feel safe. You feel comfortable. Are you okay with this? Are you okay with that? Well, we were supposed to have a closed set. And when I'm on set, they were, they, when the scene, it's time to shoot my scene, right? Um, they come in and they ask me if, if it's okay. You know, it's just going to be you, the director, the other actress and the cinematographer, you know, the camera. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, because it, going into it, I'm like, yeah, that little private room sounds great there's probably you know 100 200 people on set at this point uh to get all these shots and so they
0: offered you a closed set
2: offered me the closed set and going into it i'm like that's great makes me feel more comfortable you know it's awesome when we get there you know you know will making a film how many moving parts there are you've got sound you've got grips you know you got you got lighting you've got sometimes background, you've got all kinds of different factors involved to make this one thing what it is. And there's this is like the pinnacle of making you yeah. know TV and film, really. And so I'm looking around and I'm thinking the first thought that came to mind was, one, I'm already here. I'm already all out. Pretty much everyone's gonna see it anyways. Why doesn't everyone come on in? <laughs> you know, like I let's make this thing as great as we can. And I and I also thought, you know, the whole world pretty much knows about this show, right? Well, they're going to see it anyways. What do I care if a couple extra hundred or uh, you know another fifty people, another hundred people see it in the room? Whatever.
0: HBO's most watched show.
2: Yeah, yeah. So I said, you know, everyone come on in, let's do it. And the funny thing is, the Dothraki is what got me, man. <laughs> I come around the corner, mess up my line the first time, and I'm like, dude. This is like it's like a tongue twister, man. And getting it all right and also having the emotion and feeling like like who is this character, right? I'm doing this scene because this girl's boyfriend doesn't know how to sleep with her, doesn't know how to please her, right? He's this weakling, right? And so I come in her fantasy, I come and just kill him. <laughs> I take him out. There was blood everywhere, dude. This entire bathroom filled up with blood. It was so crazy to see. Uh, and then I come around the corner. And so I messed up the first time, the second time, uh I I mixed up a couple words and I'm like I don't really feel good about that. So okay. I know I've only got a couple takes here. I got to nail this, right? We've been filming for, you know, 10 hours already, I think at this point. And now it's finally my close-ups. Third time we go in, nailed it. Everyone's good, you know. Uh Sam comes up, the c- c- uh, cinematographer, sorry, comes up and they're like, yeah, we got it. What do you think, you know? And because it's, you know, we've been shooting all day. You're, you're on the clock. You're, you you want to get the shots and move on to the next ones and move on. So I look at Sam. Look at the cinematographer. I'm looking at everyone else in the room. You're like, I know I just got the shot, but it didn't feel like I got the shot. I wanted to feel it. So they're ready to wrap up, and, I'm, and I look at Sam. I said, give me one more. He's like, all right, let's do one more. When I tell you I came around the corner hot, I am in it. I am, I am this guy now. You know, I feel it. I come in, say the lines, compliment the girl, drop the skirt, you know, stay in it. And I'm in it. And I literally can tell. So I finished my last line and you could hear a pen drop. So maybe 30, 45 seconds. And when it's dead quiet and there's nothing else to do in the scene, it feels like forever. And you're sitting here like, Okay.
0: Waiting for the cut.
2: And I'm, I'm not breaking character. I'm staying in it, like, breathing heavy. I'm in it, you know, like, I'm staring at this girl. Like, I'm ready to dominate. You know what I mean? <laughs> and as soon as I hear Samuel cut, everyone starts cheering. Everyone's, like, excited. I'm like, yes, that was it. And so that was, I can tell you from the, the take before to that take, much different reaction. So that's how I knew we got it. That was the last shot. And uh felt real good walking out of there. And it was, it was a lot of fun. I mean... Also to the point too, like I'm very comfortable on set. You know, I've, you know, even on Righteous Gemstones, you've got a couple hundred people filming you. You've got all these other actors and actresses around you. You got some of the biggest talent in the world as well that you're working with. And it's so much fun, but I'm comfortable there. You know what I mean? When I was in this position. So even in between takes, you know, you're talking with some of the crew uh, you're, you're talking to the other actors, you're having fun, you're making jokes, you're, you know, it's, I love being on set. It's my favorite, one of my favorite places in the world to be. Me too. But when I'm on set and I'm walking around with like nothing on, it was the first time where I was like, I am legitimately uncomfortable. I don't know how to take this. I'm still trying to be me and have fun and make jokes about the situation, but also like can't help but be uncomfortable. Like stuff's popping out. I'm not really. I'm. I'm a little cold. You know. Like it's. Things are just not in my favor. It felt like at the moment. So I. I it was just about navigating that being in my own head because you have to just not care. You just have to not care and then just be free, man. Like. So it, what
0: did you do? How did you get yourself out of that uncomfortable mindset into telling the director you wanted another take? Because that's a big. Jump to take like that's a very big difference of like standing there uncomfortable to asking the director for another take yeah. and crushing the take right like yeah. that takes a lot of. Like,
2: I would say it would go from balls. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a lot of balls, big balls. Um, I, get, I was, I went from being the most vulnerable I think I've ever felt. Uh, especially not being in the shape that I wanted to be in, you know, not feeling comfortable in my own skin and then to have all of my skin being shown, you know, uh, to let me just own this. I'm here, I'm doing it. Get out of my own head. I signed up to be this character. I'm going to be this character no matter what it is. So I, you know, that was it. And I knew, I knew that what I did was good. It was good enough at that point, but the extra take it was one of those moments. You're like, you either got to kill it or pack up and move on. And I knew I had the ability to do it. So with all of the, everything exposed, I I just knew, I I believed in myself and I said, you know what? Put all of everything aside, be the character and do the damn thing. And that's what happened.
0: Hell yeah, man.
2: I love you for you.
0: It's an incredible show. And what a memorable experience, uh, a learning experience. Um, just gonna, I was gonna say a growing. A growing.
2: Well, that's a, let's get, let's keep the, the <laughs> let's keep the dick jokes to a minimum here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> um, that was fun. Hell dude. yeah, dude. Yeah, it was a good time, man. I I really appreciate, uh, and I can't even explain how grateful I am to be a part of that show. Uh, to be, be on two HBO shows. I, I came here with nothing, you know, literally no direction, no connections, no anything. And I just want to make it work. And then, you know, years later, that's one thing that's cool too, is you look back at where you're, you look at where you are now. And I always try to show up with gratitude. And then I saw this quote that it said, be grateful because you're now living what the younger you dreamt of. You know, and and it was always my dream to be in TV and film. And even though I want to go farther and do more and create more and tell more stories on a a higher and bigger level, which I believe I'm going to do, at least I'm never going to quit and try to stop doing that. um, I'm doing what I'd want to do as a little kid, you know? And I'm working with some of the most incredibly talented people out there on the biggest networks in the world, you know, Netflix and HBO and, you know, Lionsgate. And it's just like, You know, it's incredible. All I can do is sit back no matter where I'm at in my, my career and my life. And I can just, all I can do is be grateful. I would say being naked on Euphoria was easily the most vulnerable I've ever felt on set. But at the same time, I was still able to work through it and rise to the occasion and do the scene. It's awesome.
0: Living the dream, the definition.
2: Living the dream. So uh, <laughs> I was uh, I was watching the other day on ESPN. There's a little anniversary of a certain somebody, Blake Griffin, uh, throwing some water on you. Yes. How, how was that?
0: It's uh, it's kind of nice having an anniversary with somebody. I you yeah. know even if it is for being uh, the chump that got water thrown on you. <laughs> no, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, I was with Justin Wolf, who you know my good buddy from SF, and we were courtside at Staples Center for the Warriors at Clippers. And this was like right before the Warriors dynasty. Mm. Um, I think we ended up losing that series. It was like right before we really started killing it. Um, but we were courtside and Blake Griffin fouls out of the game, walks over to the scorer's table where, where we are. And, you know, we're both wearing yellow and we're, like, the only Warriors fans in the entire fucking building. And Blake comes over, picks up his water, looks up at the Jumbotron like he's watching the replay, goes like (laughs) that, thinking he's being all smooth. Yeah. And, you know, drenches me in in water. And um, it was pretty hilarious. It really caught me off guard. But... And I didn't think it was a big deal at all, right? Yeah, and it's not, right? But Bill plasky from the LA Times and Marcus Spears from Yahoo Sports like came up to me after it happened because this it was like towards the end of the game, mm. so the game had ended, and they come up and were like asking me all these questions about. It. I'm like, I watch you guys on PTI and, and <laughs> like on ESPN, and um, they kept asking me, "Do you think it was intentional?" And I and I kept being like. No, you know whatever. And Justin's like, of course it was fucking intentional. What are you talking about? And um, but yeah, it turned into this whole thing in the a small little moment in in NBA playoffs. That kind of we have our little tiny five seconds carved out in there. Um, that ended up being really funny, and we were number one on Sports Center, not so top ten for a couple months after that. Um, but you no, know, it was. One of, one of those, like five seconds of fame or 15 seconds yeah. of fame or whatever. But it was more funny to, like, you know, see everyone's reaction to it and all the texts and phone calls. Chris Paul called me after. We had a funny talk. Um, That's great. But, but yeah. It was, it's
2: constantly being replayed since it, how many, how long has it been since that incident? This
0: was like 2000. 13 14 yeah. 13, yeah
2: so i've seen it i can't even hundreds of times I, it's been you know replayed and played around and it's funny when you watch it because you can see it very much looks intentional
0: oh yeah 100 was like, it, exactly yeah, yeah
2: yeah but it's funny because since then i've actually met blake through you uh and Dan, he seems like a super dan's house, right? yeah dan's house yeah uh but but blake griffin seems like a super cool dude fun guy uh And he's an incredibly talented ball player, obviously. But, uh, yeah, man. You ever going to get him back for it?
0: We got to get him on the podcast. Yeah. Blake, this is uh, your invitation officially to come on (laughs) and explain why it wasn't intentional. And And apologize. No. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. We've talked about it multiple times. It's all good. That's funny. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: Yeah, man. ESPN.
0: Worldwide leader in sports.
2: Would, would you say that moment with Blake Griffin throwing the water on you solidified you as a Warriors fan from that moment on?
0: Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've been a Warriors fan my entire life, but now I'm like Hall of Fame Warriors fan. <laughs> That's
2: right. You took a the famous blow from Blake Griffin, the, the water shot. <laughs> famous I, blow. Yeah, I don't want to use that word. <laughs> yeah. you, you, you took a, a famous hit from Blake Griffin, and it solidified your warrior... I don't know the word I'm looking for. Soliloquy. I'm not I have no no idea, but we're gonna move on now.
0: <laughs> no, yeah, it uh Watergate was taken, so we called it cupgate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh my God. Uh, yeah, splash zone. They got a new splash zone.
0: Yeah, Splash Mountain. But we uh, now the Warriors have the Splash Brothers and a new up and coming player, Jordan Poole, who's on fire right now. And Dude. we are lighting it up. So
2: he's killing it.
0: Looking forward to watching more Warriors games. Yeah. Uh, I think what do he play tonight.
2: What do you get his first game?
0: Uh, they've been was like 30 something. Steph, Clay, and Poole are all averaging above like 20, 25 Amazing. for this series. So um, I think it's game five tonight in Denver. But cool. Yeah. All right. So two Netflix shows out right now, both hosted by Nick Lachey and his lovely wife. The Ultimatum and Love is Blind.
2: What do you think about the show Love is Blind?
0: Absolutely insane. I think reality TV has stepped up their fucking game. It's psychological warfare. It's like scientific experiments being conducted on these reality TV shows. It's not beach games anymore. It is scientific experimentation on love and emotion, and it is gnarly. It's a group of men and a group of women separated into two groups. They don't see each other at all. The men can see each other and the women see each other, but they have like 10 rooms where... They go into the rooms and they can't see each other, but they can talk. Mm. And essentially what happens is you have to agree by signing up to do the show that you are going to get married or not get married, but propose. And like the intention there is to literally get engaged by the end of the show and trying to prove if true love can be blind, right? Interesting. I'm telling you, dude, you know me. I'm not a big believer in like, reality TV being that reality but watching these people connect and then when they first see each other and like running up and grabbing each other and like kissing and hugging they are legitimately in love like they are straight up full blown ready to get engaged to each other just after talking for you know it's a lot of talking but like well wow. i'm telling you dude i've never been sold on reality but but this is this is more like a scientific experiment it's a psychological scientific experiment where they're using test subjects putting them into these pods where they can talk and figuring out if it's possible and it is 100% possible and i'm like it has, you know, I don't do a lot of blind date. Eh, I've done a few. But <laughs> <laughs> but I've never felt in love off a blind date. But, but that's uh a,
2: that's a blind date in the sense of not being able to see your date, right? Didn't you say yeah, you put them yeah. in rooms and they don't get to see each other?
0: 100%. Yeah. Could you ever fall in love on a blind date?
2: I mean, anything's possible. I think anything is possible until disproven. That's uh that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah. I mean, by the proof of the show I mean of course
2: highly unlikely but yeah maybe.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean of course some of them afterwards they see each other and they're like okay well we're just not attracted to each other which is fine. But there is a large percentage of them that like did authentically connect.
2: Wow. I heard you talking about this the other day. What the heck is the ultimatum?
0: The ultimatum is another reality TV show on Netflix hosted by Nick Lachey and his lovely wife. Oh my god. They take relationships of two plus years, put them together with another group of couples. They have to date and live with other people, both, both people, men and women, have to live and date other people for three weeks and then get back together with their original couple person for another three weeks. It is the most dramatic crazy shit i've ever seen dude could you ever bring a girlfriend that you've been dating for two years and be like here go date someone else but the ultimatum aspect is they're thinking about getting married and the and they bring them on the show to give them an ultimatum of like look we're either going to try dating other people and if it works it works but if not we'll get married two people got engaged the very first dinner they had together so like they were like, fuck it. We're not going to do this. Let's just get married.
2: Wow. I had no idea, one, that there's a show out there like that, but they also go and date the other people they live with. That is crazy. Dude. I See, if I was with someone that I was planning to get married, I would definitely trust them enough because I would already know uh, to go do that. But then I'm like, I don't really have any desire to be in that situation whatsoever. <laughs> so I can't imagine like... I wouldn't even want to. Like, you're going to tell me I got to go date another girl for three weeks and I got to live with them? That sounds like a nightmare. While
0: while knowing your girl is with another guy.
2: I mean, look, I'm a very open guy and uh, I respect other people very much. And if I'm with someone, I'm going to trust them and and there's going to be that level of respect regardless. Uh, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not controlling whatsoever, but also there's got to be respect there at the end of the day. So to be put in that situation, it would be really interesting to find out like what people do. I can't even imagine like this show's, it's the sound of it. I've never seen it. I've never heard of it besides just now from you. I got to, I feel like I got to watch this man. I got to check it out. I got to see it.
0: Netflix is honestly, I think their strategy was like, let's get Nick Lachey and his (laughs) lovely wife, have him host a bunch of these crazy reality shows where they like, really experiment on people like let's take the deepest most meaningful thing like marriage and engagements and put in love and put them at the test because both of them are about getting engaged right like at the end of each show they expect people to get engaged
2: you know some people got to break up there's no way
0: oh yeah for sure some people break up
2: i mean that's a great way to figure out if uh the one you you thinks the one is the one yeah right yeah <laughs> dude i got to watch it just from your reaction alone
0: it's crazy I, I don't know what they're thinking doing this to these poor people dude like I, I they go they're terrorized
2: they sign up for it they have to no of course got to sign the waivers right
0: some people just want to be on tv but, <laughs> yeah you know
2: hey i respect it
0: yeah for sure now now i'm like As i want to go somebody who likes to be on tv <laughs> Well,
2: no, no, there's a difference. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. So, Brock. Saw, dude.
0: We recently ventured into the desert. No, not Joshua Tree. I'm talking Coachella, which I guess we did it twice.
2: We did. That, that four-hour drive twice.
0: <laughs> I think being in the middle of nowhere camping is more fun than Coachella now. But eh.
2: Coachella's been fun in the past when there's, like, great artists great lineups I guess and you know it's like banger 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 there were so many people there and not to say there wasn't a great lineup this year it was just not anything that I listened to like I enjoyed going to Big Sean Uh, I enjoyed you know Harry Styles obviously was was a lot of fun but the stuff in between I'm like it didn't feel the same and I think because there was a you know couple year hiatus because of COVID it didn't feel the same you know not necessarily being in a good, big group of people. I think that it's been open enough now that we've been around people and uh, it feels a little more normal again and less restrictions, you know, but being at coach, I don't know. It, yeah. I, I, I'm more of, see, see this, I'm a little bi- biased too. Like I'm a little partial because I'm a stage coach guy. All right, I love country music. I love the whole vibe. I love it, uh, being with your friends. And that was the cool thing, to me is that stagecoach has always been, if you love country, you kind of love country. Obviously there's artists you gravitate more towards too, but it's all the same vibe. You know, Coachella, there's so many different kinds of artists, you know, EDM and, and like rap and, and, you know, Harry Styles is a totally different vibe than, than the rest of that. And to, you know, Billie Eilish, incredible. But Stagecoach is like all country music, all the same vibe all the time. You're getting all these different groups of people that are into different kinds of music and you're moshing and mismoshing them all together, which also makes it very interesting and fun. But I'm a a, I'm just a stagecoach guy, man.
0: Yeah, I I mean, look, I've had so much fun at Coachella since I was 18. I mean, I've been it's probably like my twelfth one. Mm. And yeah, I mean we were I was there for the Tupac hologram there, you know, there was for there every too. big,
2: <laughs> I was there too, but before we met.
0: Yeah. Like there for every big performance and we stay next door at the Madison club and you know, it's, it's a great experience. You run into all sorts of people, you know, and I really do enjoy the live music and the environment and the, you know, the free love spirit. Although I mean, it's been so corporatized and taken over by people that are just there for photographs and not the music. But, um, you know, it is T- it is what it is. It's yeah. all about to who you yeah. To each their own, but it's a music festival, you know? Um,
2: I honestly had a lot of fun going to Coachella. The first day that we were there, I mean, we get to hang out with our friends. We ran into BZ, who we just did a episode with. And then we did an episode with Randy Gerber, which is coming out in a couple of days. Um, and running into him and Cindy Crawford was a lot of fun. Uh, seeing a bunch of people we haven't in a while, sitting by the pool, you know ordering food, working out still, uh, and then going to the festival, being around all those people, listening to live music again. Uh, there's not much cell service, so that makes it interesting trying to meet up with people and, and do that whole thing. But all in all man it was a it was a it was a fun time, it was a quick trip, but a fun time and although I do prefer stagecoach to Coachella, uh, it's always fun when you're hanging with your boys.
0: Yeah, I had a good time at the Madison Club, hanging by the pool, playing golf, um, going to the festival. It's all about who you're with, and you end up running running into tons of people. I've been going for over a decade now. Um, it, it's definitely changed, I think, um, from a pure music festival to a more corporatized event, but you know that doesn't take away from the fun you can have so whatever um, there's still tons of people and, and music and all that so like you said to each their own enjoy it how you want to enjoy it But, um, Brock what is your favorite Coachella moment of all time
2: oh that's a good question let's let's dive back honest was that stage coach or, or Coachella
0: doesn't matter <laughs>
2: <laughs> it doesn't matter um, I was going to say Pickleball, dude It's the first thing that popped in my head Yeah, fuck yeah uh, Honestly I think just being there f- f- I don't fucking What
0: is my favorite?
2: What's your favorite?
0: My favorite Coachella moment of all time Oh my, oh my god <laughs> Tupac hologram because Dr. Dre came out, Eminem, Eminem, Snoop, Snoop Dogg, Fifty Cent. I mean, it was like my entire childhood of hip hop artists that I've been listening to since I was a kid. Yeah. It was pretty, uh, pretty incredible. And I, you know, there's an ethical debate about whether or not that's like cool or not. And I honestly can see both sides of that argument a hundred percent. But Fuck, it was it was beautiful to see everyone together and it felt more like a celebration of Tupac than it did taking advantage of him. Mm. So I, I will say that the feeling and energy there felt more like a celebration of his life. So
2: I I definitely remember like pure shock in the crowd when when I was there watching it, because it was like what is going on right now? And it looked so real, even though obviously it looked like a hologram. It was so crazy. The first time I'd ever seen even technology like that and the, the ability to, for him to move, you know, and, and to rap and to, it was just insane. And you got everybody pushing as close to the front of the stage as they could possibly get. So it's like 300,000 people shoulder to shoulder. We're all like, I'm looking around like, this is a crazy There's a lot of people right here right now, Uh, but we're all experiencing this thing together at the same time. It was, it was insane. It was a wild, wild time and they haven't done it since. No. Why do you think they haven't done
0: it? I don't know, man. Like what happened to that technology? I mean, it's still there. It's definitely there. I'm sure they're improving upon it and have plans for it, but like, what the fuck? That was like over 10 years ago.
2: The drone stuff. I saw some pretty cool, which, which, who was that? Remember the the year they had all the drones and they were doing all that crazy like hundreds of drones up in the up in the da- sky. That was Daft Punk. That I was think, Daft Punk, right? Yeah, and it made like the uh, different designs, like geometric designs, and
0: I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I feel like it was Daft Punk, but I could be wrong. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know, but I, yeah, I, I like can see yeah. the drones in my head.
2: And then we were there for the Beyonce one also, right?
0: Yeah, Beyonce, Red Hot yeah. Chili Peppers.
2: Beyonce's performance was Mental Like all of those dancers Doing that all at the same time And perfect Like flawlessly
0: Yeah Crazy She I mean she is Probably the best Female performer Of our generation Yeah She was so good She broke the lights At the Super Bowl (laughs) That's awesome We do love Coachella And Stagecoach I think it's A live music thing We just love live music But Hey, man, another great episode. Fans can look out for another one on Cinco de Mayo. That's May 5th.
2: (laughs) Just a few days away. Yeah, buddy. Until next time. Thank you, guys. See you when we see you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to Studio 22.
2: Hey, guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh?
1: A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Hey there, parents and teachers. Are you tired of feeling like every day is a battle of wills with your kids? If it doesn't change your life, we'll buy it back. Plus, you can get 10% off with code IHeart10. So if you're ready to say goodbye to power struggles and hello to peaceful, loving relationships with your kids, it's time to give Love & Logic a try. Visit their website or call today. Your sanity will thank you. Love & Logic, because parenting and teaching should be a joy, not a chore. Visit loveandlogic.com. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring.